You're the photographer, videographer, you're the marketing person, you're the social media coordinator, you're a videographer, you're an editor. You do so much and your job really as an influencer is to influence other people to do something, to try something, to go somewhere. And that's why I think influencers really do make such great brand founders. Okay, Mariana, I don't know if I ever told you, but you were probably one of the first content creators I started following. No. So you're, yes, you're like an OG and I hope you take a lot of pride in it because I've seen so many people come and go. You're also such an amazing businesswoman and starting the brand Summer Fridays. I mean, it's been so cool to see how you, you and your co-founder just revived it and made it this whole community and movement. But I always wondered and hoped that I'll have a time to sit with you and to understand who you are today by kind of like learning more about your beginning. So tell me a little bit about your childhood. Yeah. So it's kind of confusing when people ask me where I'm from because the short answer I say is I'm from Ohio. And people are like, really? You're from Ohio? And I'm like, well, the long answer is my parents met in California in Brentwood on a blind date. Then they moved to Germany. And that's where they had me. I was born in Germany and we lived there. And then we moved back to California. And my dad is a bit older. And as he was getting older, my grandparents are from Pennsylvania. And he thought, I need to live closer to them before they pass away. So we got a job opportunity in Ohio, which is how we ended up there, which is very random for all of us to be there. Mm -hmm. My parents got divorced. My mom went back to Germany. <laughs> How old were you? A uh, six. Wow. So my mom went back to Germany and I stayed with my dad in Ohio. So I grew up technically between Ohio and Germany. So I would go to Germany like all summer long. This is pre-Wi-Fi, pre-iPad, pre-anything. This is like when people would smoke cigarettes on airplanes. Like, <laughs> so this is how long ago <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was like, there was no TSA. Like my parents used to walk me to the gate and wait for me to take off. This is how long ago this was. Wow. And so I grew up like pretty independent by myself. Like I was six, I would fly internationally. I would go spend time with my mom. And when I was little, I didn't really love that because I couldn't call my friends at home. There was a time difference. I couldn't watch my favorite shows on TV. But now it's made me the person I am today because I learned to be independent. I learned to talk to people no matter where I am. I learned to be self-sufficient. There's so many things that I learned from it, even though I didn't love it when I was six. Yeah, I can imagine. So wait, going through the parents getting a divorce, because I was also kind of a product of a divorced home. And, but it happened for me when I was 16. The anger that it just instilled in me, it was a very weird place to navigate at 16, because they were putting me kind of in the middle. But at six, like, how was that experience? Were you part of it? Or do you not really remember? It's like, you're so young that you just kind of adapt to it. So you don't really think anything of it. So I think when you're older, it's almost harder because you understand more and you have had more of your life with your parents. But at six, it's like, I just started really remembering my life when I was six right. years old. Like, you don't really remember that much pre that age. So yeah. I almost remember more of my parents being separated than together. And I had a very unique upbringing. I lived with my dad growing up. So he was kind of like single parent at home with the dad. Did you decide to stay with dad? My dad wanted me to stay in the States. And so right. I just went back and forth. But it was amazing because I got great time with my mom. Mm -hmm. I got this whole international experience growing up that I would have never got. It made me so much more worldly appreciative of other cultures, of being able to go to different places and know that there was so much more in the world I could see, yeah. do, and be because of that experience. I think you're probably maybe the only person I've ever 
spoken to that's a product of divorce they just kind of left on uh how do you say yeah, like scathed. Yeah. yeah so my parents were really modern at the time and they mm -hmm. actually sent me to a therapist when I was six wow now therapy is you know so, so much more common yeah. people talk about it it's really normal and you're like of course we get divorced we would have our kids go talk to somebody but this is 30 something years ago that my parents just happened to know like oh we should have her talk to somebody so I think because they were so forward thinking and they mm -hmm. thought that way it was really helpful for me at the time. And so my parents are amazing. I have a great relationship with them. I have a group text with them. If they That's see so each nice. other, they're amazing friends now. And I see that they are happier independently than being unhappy together. Mm -hmm. And it showed me like, it's okay. Like if something doesn't work out, you can move on and maybe you're friends in the future. Maybe you're not. That's a huge lesson. Yeah. But to they're just being able to, you know, this is not working. Yeah. How are we moving forward? They're like, do what makes you happy. They're their own independent, happy people. My mom is like the perfect example of she truly lives her life. Have you met my mom at no. anything? Okay. <laughs> I always I have her places meet. with me. Yes. No, I love that. I am so, I love seeing that because I have a very close relationship with my mom, but I've never met her. Okay. So I'm sure you'll meet her at something at some time. And she is like epitome of like YOLO, like live your life, do what makes you happy. <laughs> like go here, go there, live in the moment. I actually took her with me last Paris Fashion Week and she was in the car. She dropped me off at the Chanel show. And before I went in, it's hard because I think as creators, we go to so many things that we kind of get a little bit jaded. Like, okay, I'm going to this thing. I'm going to that thing. But to our parents, my mom's never been to a fashion show in her life. Mm -hmm. She was like, enjoy the moment. And I was like, oh, that really stuck with me. And so I, I went inside, I was taking my content, then I actually put my phone down and I was just watching the show. Like, wow, I can't believe I get to go to a Chanel show. Like I really enjoyed the moment. So I think having other people with you that aren't necessarily in the industry helps yeah. you kind of be grounded in those moments and mm -hmm. really appreciate each of those things. So she's the best. So true. I love that. I'm excited to meet her. So do you feel, because you are an only child? Ish. So I'm my mom and dad's only child and yeah. my dad's youngest child. How brother or sister were growing up with you in the household? No. No. So I did grow up like an only child. So oh, that's okay. not like basically an only child, but right. yeah. I grew up with a brother, but I wonder if there's anything from growing up as like an only child that contributed to who you are today. Oh, so many things. Well, one, I don't have kids yet, but when yeah. the time comes, I definitely need to have more than one because as amazing as being an only child is, mm -hmm. I think it can be lonely to not have somebody else around. So like I see your kids and I'm like, how fun that they have siblings to be with each other and to play with. And even though you might fight with them or they might annoy you sometimes, it's mm -hmm. so nice to have that like family unit at home. And so when the time comes, I would love to have more than one. For me, I think not only was I an only child, but I had a much older parent. So my dad had me when he was almost 50. So mm -hmm. it's not the typical parent where they're like running around playing with you. It's a, it's a really different experience. So I learned a lot from my dad because he was so much older. So yeah. it was just like almost like growing up with a grandpa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was my experience. I always get asked, right? I had my kids. My first one was a uh, Jake was born when I was 22. So I always get asked by moms, is it better, or even young women, right? Is it better to be a young mom or like an older mom? And I have to say, although I am so grateful and so happy that I had them young, because there's definitely a lot of benefits to it, but I also see what a beautiful journey older moms have, because you are just so much more, or older parents, you're so much more intentional with your time and, you know, the communication, you're present, you're not trying to be and do everything. Did you experience that? Yeah, I think I definitely had a different 
childhood experience with my dad than my sisters did. So my half sisters, he had them really young and me, he had really old. And so I got a different version of my dad. I got a present dad who had retired. He wasn't working. He could fully be there all the time. And so when you're younger, I think you're trying to hustle and you're trying to provide for your family and you're working and he was trying to, he was working and going to school at the same time and he had a family. And so he was doing everything he could to provide for his family. And then later in life, he was retired and then he just had all this free time. And so we both got a great version of him. They were just different versions of him. Now I think it's really made me value my family. I've learned a lot from my parents' hindsight because they're so much older. They're like, okay, now that I'm in my 70s and 80s, these are all the things I learned. So now that you're in your 30s, these are the things I wish I knew. So it's amazing now to hear these things from him. I actually was with my dad the other day and we were driving. I talked about this on my podcast and I was like, sometimes we're always with our parents and we don't actually ask them questions. Yeah. And so I asked my dad, I was like, of all the places you lived, like what was your favorite? And he was like, oh, because he's lived a lot of places. He lived in England, he was in California, he was in Germany. And he was like, I liked all of them. And he was like, and I enjoyed each of the things for different reasons. And he was like, there was not one that I would say was better than another. And he was like, there was just one place I didn't love living. He was like, but that really taught me like, you know, I think we are always rushing to this next thing, or maybe I like living here better, or I'm looking forward to living this place next. But he taught me like, just enjoy this phase of life we're in because there's going to be another phase of life that happens after this, but enjoy this moment and like whatever's happening now in the season of life, rather than just looking forward to something else and like waiting to be happy because you think like something's going to happen this next decade. It's so true. I feel like this realization really happened to us way older. We were even yesterday, uh, we were with Rachel out shopping and we saw a group of like 19, 20 year olds. And I was telling Rachel, I'm like, don't you wish you could be 19 again? Not because like we're still young and all the things, but you just know so much now. You're just like, I wish I could just remind myself to, you know, be and be present and enjoy this and not like rush to the next place or the next thing. Or when you hear advice, do you feel like it's, you're able to act on it? Or is it something that you're, because you hear all these things and it sounds good, but like, I still work on this, like being present and really being the moment. Like it's still a hard thing for me to, you know, do. When I think about advice, it's just, sometimes I don't listen to it that day, but it might come to me another time when it's relevant for me. Mm-hmm. Or you could hear the same thing over and over and over again. And then one day it just clicks. Right. So I know you care a lot about self-development. I always see your broadcast channel, which I love because I have one myself too. And I do a lot of things. I read a lot of books and maybe I'll read a book and in that season of life, it doesn't really apply to me. Mm-hmm. And then I'm reading this whole book and I'm like, okay, this is great. But then I'll reread it or look at it another time in life. And maybe it's a year or two later. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is so much more meaningful for me today. And now I can actually apply these things. And if we think about advice and lessons, our life is so long. So even if it takes us a couple years to learn this lesson or take this advice, but we can benefit from it for many decades to come, it's okay that it took us a little bit of time for it to resonate with us. So I never think like someone tells me this thing and I have to apply it today. I can hear it. I can take it. I can write it down in my phone. And when it applies or when I'm ready. It's true that I was just thinking when you said it, I'm like, you're just not ready. Sometimes you're not ready to really understand it. You mentioned like books that you maybe read and then went back two years later. Is there any one that like come up for you? Atomic Habit is probably one of them. I feel like that's one that a lot of people like. I would say pre-COVID, I was really bad with my routines. Mm. I just was working all the time. I was traveling all the time and I really was not prioritizing myself or taking care of myself. 
And I knew that I should do all these things. I know I'm supposed to wake up early. I'm supposed to meditate. I'm supposed to journal. I'm supposed to do this and that. Mm-hmm. And I just never did it, even though people tell us we're supposed to do all these things. Then right. pandemic, I actually had the free time and I wasn't traveling and I could be home and I could actually do these things. So I thought, okay, the time is now. I have no excuses. Like, what is my excuse? I'm not going anywhere. I have nothing to do. I have no one to see. (laughs) So I may as well just do it now. now. And so I basically, in that time, worked on myself and my routines and my habits and my morning routine and my sleep in that time. And so I reread the book and I didn't realize that I had read it before because that's how much it just didn't stick with me. And I had downloaded it on my Kindle and then I opened it and it had all this stuff highlighted. I was like, I read this already. And I literally could not remember a single thing in the book that I read before. (laughs) So when I read it again, I was like, oh, wow, I'm actually reading this because I'm ready to do the things in here. And so it it took that time and I can't believe I had forgot that I read it before, but that's how much I just wasn't paying attention to it. And so that book was really helpful. And I think for me, my morning routine is really helpful because it sets me up for my day. And a lot of people talk about the benefits of morning routines, Mm -hmm. but it only works for you if you want it to work for you. And if you find the things that work. So I like to meditate in the morning. If you hate meditating in the morning and you're forcing yourself to do it, it's never going to benefit you. You're just going to stress yourself out for the yeah. day. So it's really about finding habits and routines that work for you. And so it's like testing and trying, but I love my morning routine. I tried to establish morning routine for myself and I'm very, I'm a Virgo. So I'm just very like, okay, I said, this is what is in my journal. This is what needs to happen. We have to go one by one. And I found it like the, this year, I've been going through some process of kind of like surrender where I'm trying to keep everything so in control that it's driving me a bit like crazy and I needed to let go. And one of those things is actually letting my mornings to, like I wake up and I see how I feel, you know, and based on that, I kind of dictate where it needs to go. Um, You obviously need to have a lot of discipline to and self-awareness to understand how you feel, not just, you know, laziness taking over and you're like, I don't need to do this. But do you feel like you're you have that space in your life? Because yeah. you also sound like you're very, okay, this is, you know, the routine. This is the day. This is how it's going. I am very much like that, but I also try to listen to myself and not force myself to do anything. Mm-hmm. And so in the morning, if I have the full time, which I really do genuinely feel my best when I do all of those things. So mornings when I miss my meditation, I feel kind of frazzled throughout the day. And I'm like, oh, it's because I didn't take my time to do this in the morning. I like to start my day practicing gratitude because I say, I get to come do this interview with you today. I get to go here. I get to go to this event. I get to work on this job versus like going through my day feeling like I have to do things. So it really does set the tone for my day when I do the routine. But if I don't get through all of it, I don't, I'm not down on myself and I don't make myself feel bad that I miss something. And I also try to listen to myself in general when it comes to doing things. I don't mind saying no to stuff Mm -hmm. if I really don't feel like it's the right thing for me. So you know, as creators, there's probably an event we could go to every single day, a dinner, right. a lunch, a something. And you want to go and support brands that you love and your friends and do all these things. But sometimes, you know, if I go do these things, this is, I'm just not in the right headspace to attend this thing today. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to benefit you because I'm not going to be in like the best mood to be there. Yeah, And it's not going to help me to be there either. So you can politely decline and be okay with saying no to things. So I try to have space in my schedule to not force myself Mm -hmm. and feel bad or feel obligated to do something. And when did that shift happen for you? um, Like, was it like a moment? Was it an incident? Was it what made you? It was probably when we started Summer Fridays because I only had so much time. And when we first started the brand, we basically had less than a handful of people working for the company. And so we just physically couldn't be everywhere at once. And that was the priority 
priority was like building the company, being there for the brand. And so we just couldn't. And then I started realizing like, it's okay. Like if my friend is having a product launch and I can't make it to the event, they can still send me gifting and I can post and share on my social and I can support in another way, even though I can't make it to the event. Or if a lot of times what I do too is um, there's so many brand dinners and a lot of times I can't stay for the whole dinner. So I'll go during cocktails. I still post, I share, I support, I come up, I'm I'm there for the people that I care about, but then I leave before dinner starts so Mm -hmm. that I can still allow myself to go to bed and feel rested so I can be productive for my next day. Because if not, and I kept going to so many things, I was burning myself out and it's not possible to be everywhere and to do everything. And so I had to be okay with that, but I still support just in another way. And if people want me to come to an event to post on social anyway, I'll still do that in like my own way. So I want to go back a little bit because before Summer Fridays, you went to school for journalism. What made you want to go and do that? I always wanted to be Oprah when I grew up and I still (laughs) do and I love her. So she always had Oprah's favorite things. And Mm -hmm. it was like her favorite things that she shared with an audience. And I'm like, I have my favorite things. And I love sharing my product recommendations with other people. And if I could be on TV and tell people the stuff I love, this is the best job I could ever hope for. So it came from there, from like Oprah's favorite. It's not like you wanted to do the news or cover celebrities. It was mainly... That. Yes, I loved her. And so when I first moved to Los Angeles, I was working in entertainment PR first. Mm -hmm. I was working in celebrity PR. And so I would take these celebrities to their interviews. And I was like, no, I still want to be the one interviewing. I still want to be the one on camera. And then the job I happened to get after that was entertainment news, which I did not like. I don't like the feeling of asking people questions they don't want to be asked. I didn't like it to feel gossipy. I didn't feel like it was helping other people. And that was not what I wanted to do. After that, I transitioned to fashion and beauty news, and that was more in the space I wanted to go to. And at work, I, you know, found myself talking about the news part of it and like the news stories, but I wanted to actually talk about products and things I liked. So I started on YouTube in 2012. Wow. So 11 years ago. Was 11 How was YouTube months. back then? It was not what it is today. It was very, it was just non-existent. Like there were no people that were full-time creators. Like at the time you could either be a YouTuber or a blogger. This is even before Instagram has launched. So right. Instagram is not even out yet at this point. Blogs were around, Yeah, right? blogs yes. are a handful of people like Chriselle Lim, Sincerely Jules, right. Kiara. There's like very few people. And it's not really a job yet. It's just people posting, but like they're still working at their full-time jobs and blogging on the side. And so I was working at my full-time job and uploading YouTube videos on the side. And it was just products that I liked, products that I would wear to work. And so maybe like a year or so after that, Instagram came out and I would go to work and I would be on like red carpets or I would be like backstage at like a fashion week or something. And I would post what I was wearing or how I did my makeup. And so instead of people being like, oh, who did you interview at New York Fashion Week? They would be like, how did you do your makeup today? What product were you using? And so I was like, oh, I use this product. This is what I do. So I was starting to influence people, not really knowing. And you took it as like cues. Okay, something is changing. Something was going on. Right. And then brands used to like very early days, like they would want to send you a product and then you could post it on your Instagram feed. And I was like, oh my gosh, you would send me something for free. Like (laughs) I would love this. And so that's what I did at the very beginning. And then brands slowly started paying people. They would PayPal you like $50. You would post something on your Instagram feed for one day. It was like 24 hours. And then you could delete it the next day. And then after the 24 hours, they would PayPal you. And so I was like, wow. So I kept making these like $50. And then those $50 added up. And then by 2014, 
I had enough where it was equal to what I was making at work. When I was working, blogging and influencers just started really becoming a thing by 2014. And I was just so curious. And so I wanted to interview people for work. Mm -hmm. And I kept reaching out to all these people. And on their blogs, there was like the same email. And everyone had this email. It was like fairy blog mother. And so I emailed this person to interview all these like bloggers. And one day I emailed her like, hi, I just started my blog. I've had been on YouTube for two years. Like, I know you represent these people. Would you be interested in representing me? And then she like responded back like, oh, it's very early, but we see like potential in you. Like we'd love to. And then- Fairy blog mother. Fairy blog mother. <laughs> yes. And so that was that. my original manager that I signed with in 2014. And I was with them until 2017. So I was with them for about three years. Wow. And they really helped me transition from working to becoming an influencer. And at the time, blogger, YouTuber were the words people would use. And that was how I started. So I've been doing this full time since 2014. That's amazing. I w what's interesting to me is that you were doing like the hosting and the broadcasting and those things. You weren't worried to kind of do YouTube or whatever on the side. And, you know, it might have in a way kind of discredited you maybe in that area where you kind of, did you ever think about it or you were just like, mm. It was so early that I think people didn't even they really didn't know even, what it was. Right. It's not like now where if you start doing something on the side that you have all these eyeballs, there's nobody on the internet really yet watching right. these things. Like you're the first people on Instagram. So there was no fear in it because I'm like, no, no one's even going to see this. Like no one's watching. Nobody even knows what this is. Because I feel like about, you know how you there's so many journalists or people that were in these like serious industries and a lot of them wanted to get on social media, but they were too scared to do anything about it, you know? if it's going to harm their kind of main career. So a lot of them kind of missed the boat and so many of them regret because they never really made that transition. But I guess for you, you were just, no one even knows what I'm doing. So <laughs> no one knew. And now it's like everyone, like mainstream celebrities want to be on YouTube yeah. and want to be on social to it's connect. Crazy. And then, you know, internet celebrities want to be on TV Becoming, and movie. And so yeah. everyone, it's so much crossover now. And then there's so many people like celebrities collaborate with YouTubers. Or if you see on TikTok now, when like a celebrity comes out with a product line, they do like content collaborations oh, yeah. with girls, like even like Selena Gomez, who has an amazing audience on her own. Even she collaborates with TikTok creators because she knows the power of that platform. So I love seeing now how everyone kind of crosses over with each other. And like, yeah. it's so fun on the like viewer side to see it. So. Yeah, it is fun. How did kind of your personal brand help with, or did it help with when you started thinking about building a brand, right? When you started with Summer Fridays, like, first of all, how did that idea come to mind? Why would it be like beauty? Yes. Yeah, so I am on like to know it reward style LTK, which is like what it's called now, mm -hmm. like so many of us are. And I love data and analytics and being an influencer, we get, we have so much information from the back end of Instagram, TikTok, LTK, like whatever affiliate program you use, there's so much information there and it's telling you something. Mm -hmm. It's telling you, what does your audience like? What are they clicking on the most? What are they buying the most? Like, where are they shopping? What price points do they like? And so I was taking all this information and I'm like, okay, they really like beauty from me. They really like skincare. Specifically, they like things in this price range and they really like shopping at Sephora. And mm -hmm. so when we were thinking about the product line, what to do, like Sephora was always my dream retailer. Like I love Sephora. It's like the place that I genuinely shop at. And so we thought about creating a skincare line in 2016. We worked on the brand for two years. I was telling you the story earlier. We 
like I've basically been flying internationally since I was so young. So jet lag is very genuine to just my life for my entire life for like very many decades. And Lauren, my business partner was very early pregnant at the time. And then she was a new mom and her jet lag life was just being exhausted. She was just really tired and was like, I'm running after this baby (laughs) and I need to like, just look not as tired as I feel. And a lot of times I would fly, I would take a red eye to New York. I would land and I would have to go straight to work. Mm -hmm. And so the product that we needed was something that made us not look as tired as we felt that worked instantly and instantly made us more like glowy and plump and dewy. And so we formulated Jet Lag Mask was our first product. And we felt like this was the right product for us and for our brand. Yeah. And at the time, this is 2018 when we launched Instagram stories had really just come about at that time. And I was like the girl that had like the perfectly curated Instagram feed. Nothing went on my feed if it like was not photogenic or neutral or pink. Mm -hmm. Everything was very pink at this time too. Mm -hmm. And so we thought to really stand out on social and to be social and digital first, we need to stand out. And so we came up with a blue tube. And the blue tube was like so iconic. It really stood out when you were scrolling through an Instagram feed and you saw it, it looked so different from everything else that you were looking at. And so um, we always thought social and digital first. And we thought the formula has to be amazing. But if we don't know if we're launching with Sephora yet, and the only place you're seeing is online, we're going to take all this expertise that we have of being social and influencers and marketing and creating content online and turn that into this brand and what it looks like digitally. And so when we were creating this product and we were testing out the packaging for it, we were testing it with an iPhone. And we were like, how does this photograph in a square one by one picture? And we're like, okay, make the logo bigger because in a flat light, you can't see the logo enough. And so, yeah. So So that's truly your experience as social media, like as a content creator navigated the way the brand kind of developed and the decisions you guys made. Absolutely. Because as creators, we wear so many hats. We do so many things. You can be a company with maybe one other person or maybe a lot of creators are just working by themselves and you're the photographer, videographer, you're the marketing person, you're the social media coordinator, you're a videographer, you're an editor. You do so much and your job really as an influencer is to influence other people to do something, to try something, to go somewhere, to experience something. And so we really knew what people would resonate with online. And so we Mm -hmm. took all that experience. And that's why I think influencers really do make such great brand founders because we really understand our communities, our audience, how to speak to them. And then taking that mixed with data, mixed with whatever you're passionate about, it really makes for such great success. And that's why I think in the last few years, we've seen so many influencer founded brands succeed because I think they really know their audience best and so much more genuine than a business starting another brand. How old is Summer Fridays? Five years and a half-ish. Amazing. It already seems to me, I mean, at least as a customer, that you already have like a very you have your niche, like you have the blueprint for the brand, which is amazing. And I think that to your point, there's a lot of people that come up with brands now. A lot of them are content creators. They also understand the value that, you know, they have the audience, they have the knowledge, but it's one thing to have an idea. And even, you know, you create the product, but the longevity and the execution, that is a whole other thing. So what do you think some of Fridays that you guys have, you know, what's going through your mind that gives you that longevity in the market? Yes. So we thought long-term and everyone's is different because obviously your brand name is named after you, but we thought with uh, with ours, we didn't want it to be just us and we wanted it to live beyond us in many years to come. And so when we thought about long-term, we thought, okay, summers will always be here. Fridays will always be here. And it's more of an East Coast thing, but that summer Friday, a lot of people have work off on Fridays. So it's about looking forward to this moment and time for yourself. So when we thought about a brand, we thought, 
what is a brand that feels like a feeling? And a summer mm. Friday is a day you look forward to, a feeling you look forward to. Like I can't wait for tomorrow afternoon so I can have some time off and like go like hang out with my friends and like do something. And so I love looking forward to that. So how can we bottle that into skincare, into an experience, into a brand and product and a feeling? And so when we thought about it, we thought, okay, we don't want to name it after ourselves. We want to call it something beyond us because hopefully it lives beyond the time that we're influencers. And so if people don't care about us as Mariana and Lauren anymore, hopefully they still care about the brand. And so that was the longevity piece of why we called it something else. And so we thought about that long-term with the brand. And then as far as the branding and packaging, we don't really think of things being trend-focused. So in fashion, it's different, obviously, because it's seasonal. But then with beauty, you're creating products that you hope people will buy in decades to come. And when we're thinking about products, it really is about creating a brand that will be along and here until I'm very old and that I hope people are still using jet lag masks just like they use Dove soap or Q-tips or whatever it is. It's just a staple that people have over and over again. Um, earlier, you asked me about my first like beauty product memory, which was yeah. Pond's cold cream. And it's something that is still around that people still buy. And we really think about creating those things. So it's easy, I think, in beauty to be like, oh, this kind of product is trending right now. So we should make this formula. But will people still buy that in five or 10 years from now? If we're not sure that people will like it for many years to come, it's not something that will fit into our assortment. Mm -hmm. So when we think about longevity, we think about that when we're formulating things, especially now because we work so far in advance that we don't know if something will even be trendy two years from now. So we can't- I feel like now it's even the fast, I mean, I think it's going to start hopefully getting into fast fashion as well. But even with beauty products, you can see that there's- with the economy today and, you know, consumer behavior, you can try to, you can keep up with everything that's going on, right? No. Like you don't want to cut corners on products that are trending and then, you know, won't stay. How do you bring your business mind and your creative mind together? Because I think a lot of people don't realize it's like two different sides of the brain and you're still a content creator and you also operate summer Fridays. How do you manage to kind of switch on and off? It's challenging, but I would say when you start a business or brand or company, or even if you want to be a creator, I think thinking long-term, like what is the goal or the reason or the why am I doing this is really helpful so that you can just start setting up things with that in mind. So let's say your goal is I want to start a company because I want to pass it on to my kids one day. Then the way you build your company is much different than somebody else who maybe has a different path for their business because you're building this like, okay, it's slow because in like 20 or 30 or 40 years, my kids are going to take over this. So maybe they start working for the brand. So it's a little bit different. So for us, we thought, okay, we really want to launch at Sephora. And then we really want to be a global brand. So to do these things, we have to put certain things in place. Like there's certain things that we have to do. There's a certain team that we have to build. Mm -hmm. And for us, the biggest thing was not having an ego and knowing there are things that we don't know how to do. And so the things that I'm good at are creative marketing, branding, product development, influencer marketing. What I'm not good at operations, finance, sales. Did I have to do those things at the beginning when we launched a company? Yes, because we had no people. Right. But then as we slowly started to grow the business, we were able to hire more people. And one of the biggest hires that we made for the brand, well, first was like a really great marketing hire who helped build out the team because as brands who sell products, you need a marketing team to help market the products oh, so yeah. that people buy the products. Another important hire for us was a CEO. And so we hired a CEO a few years after we launched the company. Actually, it was two years... And that was a really important hire for us because we saw there's success in our business, but to take it to the level we want it to get to, to be a legacy brand that's around for decades to come, mm -hmm. we need somebody who's done this before, who can help guide us in the business to make really amazing decisions, who can 
you know, get us to this next level that we don't know how to get to ourselves. We could try to figure it out along the way, but we probably would make some mistakes. And so we'd rather put somebody in place so that when the time comes, our team is really prepared. And so we went through a very long process of hiring. It's very much like dating. You meet everyone who is available in the space who maybe would want to come work for you. And our CEO actually came from a company we admired, which was Drybar. And so he was at Drybar before for many years, and that was an amazing business. Um, And so he's come on to work with us now. And it's the most incredible partnership because he does what he's good at. We do what we're good at. And then we come together like for whatever is best for the company. And that's amazing. amazing. I mean, I went through this process when we started growing our organization where I knew the things that I'm not good at, but I was also scared of letting go because, you know, some, even when you bring these people with amazing, you know, resumes and things like that, you want to make sure like it is, it's your baby, right? And you have that vision and, you know, for them making wrong, wrong decision. I mean, it's a job for them. They can find another one, but for you, it's like, it's yours. So how did you manage that, you know, with the hires, if it's the CEO, or even people touching the marketing, right? It's like your thing, you know how you want it to look like. How did you find ways to able to let go? In social and anything visual that the customer sees is the hardest part for me. So I still am very involved in that. And I'm sure my team would love if I wasn't. And it's about hiring people that you trust and allowing them to do their job and then stepping in if you need to and, you know, letting them feel like they have autonomy over the things that they're doing, but also knowing that this is like your vision that you have for the brand. And so for us, I think it's very clear with our team, like what our brand looks like and what it feels like, what it sounds like, our tone of voice. And I think having clear brand visuals and values is helpful for a team so that if they're doing things, they say, okay, if this is what the brand is supposed to look like and sound like, if it doesn't look like this, Marianne is probably not going to approve this. Right. And so that's really helpful for everybody. Um, but that's probably the hardest part because even like I was sitting here, I was approving something just before and it's like, I want to make sure that everything looks on brand. And so that's hard, especially when it lives on social. Yeah. Because it's like, we're the experts too, because we've been doing this for so long. So you want things to look a certain way or there's Mm -hmm. things. So in the finance and operations side, I was like, please take it away. I don't (laughs) mind at all. In the anything visual creative, that's definitely harder for me. We have an amazing creative team. Unless I need to be on set for a shoot now, I don't even go to shoots anymore. Amazing. Because I let them just do their thing. And they are the most creative, amazing. The visuals come out so great. And I'm like, okay, great. Like, it took a little bit of time. So to once pass you it off. see it, then you understand that everyone know what to do. You're able to step back. Yes. And then if there's something I don't love, like let's say there's something that I see that's posted or on Instagram or a caption, I'll just send it to the team. I'll be like, hey, next time, this is fine. We could leave it up. But next yeah. time I would just maybe tweak this or let's not use this word or there's something here. And they're like, okay, noted for next time. Mm-hmm. And then we just like move on. How did you find your... I guess, personality as a leader, that makes sense. Because a lot of people don't realize that, you know, once you have a brand and you have a company and you have people around you, you're building company culture, you're making sure that, you know, people that work with you are invested in the company, but you also need to be sometimes harsh and very, you know, give the feedback and all the things. So how did you find that your leadership style? It's not something that I've learned. I had to learn kind of along the way since I didn't go to business school. I didn't have a typical, you know, upbringing where I was working at a company and I kept working my way up. And so I didn't have that typical learning curve where I had a manager and then I was a manager. And so I just kind of got put into this and then I had to learn along the way. And so 
it's one of those things where it's, you just learn by doing. And then it's just, you know, we always wanted to hire people within the business who had really good values and the way they speak to people and how they work. And if you meet people that work at Summer Fridays, everyone is just the best. And that culture really comes from the top down. So does everyone feel like a Summer Friday? I hope so. (laughs) But like our president, our CEO, like everyone is so kind. And even if they're giving feedback, they do it in a very like positive way of trying to like give constructive criticism or whatever it is. And so I've learned a lot from the other people who work at Summer Fridays and how they speak. Like even our president, who is like the most amazing, I love her so much. If she tells me like we can't do something or something's not possible, she makes it sound so positive. And I'm like, wow, like the whatever. The is it not the no? It's like the not yet. Yeah. And it's like, you know, Mariana, like where it's not, this is not quite possible yet. We really tried yeah. and maybe we could do it in the future, but it's, and I'm like, okay. Like yeah. that, she made it sound really nice somehow. I'm learning a lot from our CEO, Rachel. I am such an, an introvert and I love doing things by myself. And it's the same thing. I feel like we kind of reach a certain point in the business where like, I need to open myself up. I need to understand that I have to learn a lot in order to you know build a healthy company culture and to be part of it. Because it can also be very tiring, right? When you are, especially when you're a personal brand, because a lot of my businesses built around my personal brand. So it's like, I always try to find that balance of like keeping me to, for myself, but then also sharing it with my organization and with the people around. And I feel like that self-care ritual is, is very, and that balance is hard to find. So how do you find for yourself that balance of like having you for you, but then also sharing whenever needed. I think that's really challenging as creators because anything in our life can be monetized and anything can be content, but it doesn't mean it has to be content. Yeah. So just because you can share it doesn't mean you need to share it. And so I very much have a balance of what I share online. This is this sliver of my life that I choose to share and the type of content I want to share. And then in the morning and at night and on the weekends, I'm not really posting anything. And if I'm with my friends and it's not a work thing, I'm not like taking pictures with my friend. Like I'm taking them for memories. Like whenever we take pictures, we're like, it's just for memories. It's like (laughs) not for content. And so it's really like, I don't want my friends to ever feel like they're coming to hang out with me and they need to come get ready just in case like we're going to post something. I want them to know like we're just hanging out for the sake of hanging out. And Mm -hmm. so I have a lot of boundaries around that. And I think it's just being older and I think doing this for so long too, I know like this is what I'm comfortable with and this is what I'm happy with. Like, sure, you could post things to go viral or you can post, like we know, like if you wanted to post something to get a lot of views, you have a good idea what you could share, but that's not what I would ever do and not what I choose to do. And so- Did you ever do it like earlier on in your career? Did you- It wasn't the same then. Like it was so early It was more curated. Yeah, it was so curated that- Now I feel like I love watching it from other people, but I've seen how, especially TikTok creators, it's made them burnt out and retreat now because they they cared so much to share with their community and audience that then people were not very kind to them, even though they were so open that they've retreated now. And now they're just, they don't want to share anything at all anymore. And it's very surface level. Well, I think there was also a phase in social media. I think it was literally last year where I personally felt like vulnerability became a commodity. You know what I mean? And it's like every celebrity, every content creator, everyone's crying online. Everything was just, there was so much. And actually thinking back, I have one post where I'm crying. Last year when I started noticing this like oversharing and that vulnerability, it hit me. And it reminded me of the day where I sat down and started crying in the car. And I was like, oh my God, I had, I'm crying. I'm going through the emotion. I had to 
pick up my phone, put it on camera, do it in selfie mode. Like I was literally <laughs> going through the steps and it shook me. I was like, oh, what is going on? Like, how is that normal? And I stopped it right. And then it's just now I'm so private. Like, and people ask me a, a lot of the times about my privacy, you know, I'm sharing my family, I'm sharing my kids, but I'm actually very private. Not many people really know what is going on. It's all kind of the outside. Every time I see posts like that, if, you know, from other creators, I always want to just be like, you don't have to, like, you don't need to share that because it is, you open yourself up to all these energies and all these opinions and all the things, you know, and if you share it when you are still dealing with it or battling with this issue, you're kind of like op opening a door for all of this to come in, you know? Yeah, I think it just depends on what people are comfortable with. But I think once you open that up, that's the new baseline, right? So yeah, exactly. if this is what you choose to share, then people will always expect they're going to always do this for me. And then yeah. if you retreat and pull back from that, then people are like, wait, you used what, to share you're this. Not, you're not relatable anymore. Yeah, and so I just think don't do it for the sake. If you really genuinely want to share and maybe your story is going to help somebody and that's really what you want to do, great. Mm -hmm. But don't do it for the sake of like views or going Variety. viral or something yeah. because it's not sustainable. I also, I do think that even, you know, before doing it, asking those questions, right? If, if this is a part of my life that I'm comfortable having out there. Because another thing I find is that, I mean, I have to think about it every time I post because I have kids. Everything I put out there, I'm like, it's going to live online forever my kids will be affected by it, right? So I have all this list of questions I ask before I post anything. Do you have questions for yourself kind of before you share something or post something? You're pretty private though, I have yeah, to say. I am. So, so it's not really like a list of things. Yeah. And then if I'm like thinking about something, yeah. I'll just take the picture or post it or like write the caption mm -hmm. and I'll like think about it. And then if I'm still thinking about it, I'm like, eh, if I'm still thinking about it, I probably it shouldn't share it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like there's things where I'm like, oh, maybe one day like, when the time is right, I'll share this story or when it's appropriate. And what I, if I do choose to share something that's more personal, there needs to be some sort of takeaway or help or resolution or something for the other person, because it really is creating content for the benefit of my followers. Like, what are they getting out of this? Right. Rather than just me talking, like, are you, are you gaining something out of this? And so I do try to think about that, but I would have never guessed that you were an introvert. I never knew that about you. Really? No, I have no idea. I think maybe people confuse introvert with being shy. But for me, it's more, I mean, introvert is just how I recharge. Like yeah. I have to have a lot of solitude in order to like fill up again. So people, I mean, I love people, but I can't be around people a lot. So I have a very... Uh, would you call yourself an introvert? Or I think I'm more extrovert? of like an ambivert. So a little bit of both. So I love my alone time. I think it's like the only child in me where I like, I really do just, I like being by myself. I'm fine being by myself. Like it's totally fine with me. Like I have no problem with that. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, I really like to be around people right now. Right. Um, so it's like a little bit of both. So I'm not one way or the other, but if I'm around too many people or doing too many things, I definitely feel drained. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I definitely don't think I'm an extrovert. So I'm really not like on that side of it. I admire extroverts. I think that's an amazing quality to have <laughs> of just like constantly like filling up from the surroundings, you know. Um, it's amazing. Speaking of people, I truly believe that, you know, people that achieve certain things get to a certain level of success, whatever it means to you. First of all, what does success mean to you? I don't really think about what success means to me, but like the feeling that it is for me is like freedom over my time and my schedule mm -hmm. and choosing to do the things that I want to do. Mm -hmm. So if I have choice over 
the brand partners I say yes to, the things that I do for my podcast, like what I get to do with Summer Fridays, like those things are important to me. And like that's success to me because I've had jobs where I worked for a terrible boss. I had jobs where I had to, you know, work at this thing and work on this project that I didn't want to do. And I didn't love that. And to me now having freedom over my schedule and my time, that's like successful to me because I love that. And I love being able to choose to do the things I want to do because then everything I'm saying yes to is because I want to do them. I mean, time I think is the most valuable currency. Back to kind of my question where, you know, a lot of us and people that achieve certain things, certain successes, we don't achieve them by ourselves. There are certain situations, certain people that you meet along your way that help you, even if it's in a negative way, they help you to, you know, push you forward. Are there any people or incidents, experiences that you live through that you feel are part of your success. Yeah. So in my gratitude journal every morning, something that I write really often is like, I'm so thankful for the people around me or the people who have helped me get to where I am today. Because as creators, especially people see just us on camera and they don't realize how many people behind the scenes make Mm -hmm. our career go. For you, maybe it's your husband and your kids and your team that all make this possible, but without their support, you couldn't do what you did. And for me, there are so many people like the fairy blog mother that first took a chance on me. If that person didn't take that chance on me and reply back to me and help me navigate that career of being able to create and a career as an influencer and get sponsored content, I don't know if I would be where I am here today. Mm -hmm. And if they didn't help give me strategy to what to post and how often to post and the brands that I should align myself with, maybe I wouldn't have started working with luxury beauty brands at the beginning of my career because I just wouldn't have known. I really learned so much from each person along the way. And even though I'm not with that management anymore, I'm so grateful for the time that I had with them because they really shaped me to the career I have today. And so I believe that no matter what job you have, big or small, even the jobs I had in high school really helped me in who I am and my career that I ended up having. So in my early days of working, I worked in restaurants. So I was a hostess. I was a a server. I was a hostess for seven days and then they fired me. (laughs) It's a really difficult job, but I think you learn a lot from it. And so I think being in the service industry, you learn how to, first of all, you're on your feet for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So you learn to just, you know, stand around a long time. You learn how to talk to people because you have to talk to, you have to basically go up to strangers and be really excited and talk to them, take their order. If they're upset, you have to fix a solution. It's very fast paced. And then you're working for tips. And so you know that you have to be overly friendly and helpful and smiley and all these things. And so I learned so much from my time in the service industry. And so now I'm like, okay, I always try to make sure I'm like really nice to like servers and hostess and all these things, because it's like, I was there once too as influencers now. So it's really amazing because we have teams of people behind us. And Mm -hmm. so from my assistants who are amazing and my manager, and then we have PR, it's like all these people make my influencer life possible. And if it wasn't for them, you might just see me, but none of this is possible without There's them like actually. There's a whole machine. Yes. Behind. It's like yeah. Ashley who's here. Shout out to Ashley. She's <laughs> like, I say I'm thankful for her all the time because she's literally so amazing. And it's like, I don't want to cry about her, but it's like people who work with you, they make such a big difference in your career. It's Huge. like all these people are around you to make your career and business the best it can be. So for me personally, it's like those people are so helpful. With Summer Fridays, sometimes I can't believe, like I walked into the office yesterday. My best friend was on FaceTime with me and she was like, oh, show me who's in the office today. 
So I turned my camera around and she's like, all those people are there working for you? She's like, they're all just doing things for summer Friday. So I was like, yeah. And she's like, can you believe it? And I'm like, I really can't sometimes that you can come up, up with this idea for something and that people choose to leave their job to come work for this idea that you mm. have to come support your dream of this thing that's just out in the world. And it is the most incredible thing. We had like a Friendsgiving dinner at work. And everyone ran on the table and they were talking about what they were doing for their break. One person was going on vacation to Hawaii. Someone else was taking their family on a cruise, a Disney cruise. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like we support the lives of all these all people this vehicle, that yeah. they're able to pay their rent and pay their mortgage and go on vacation and do these things. And so you feel so much responsibility for that, but it's yeah. also so rewarding. And to know like this is where you spend most of your time and most of your day and most of your hours with these people. It's just so amazing. And so yes, we've built an amazing brand externally, but I'm so proud of the company that we're building internally. And so it's like, it's the best. That's so beautiful. Thank you. That's really inspiring. I really admire your ability to not get so cut up with getting all the titles and all the awards and all the things. And especially when you're, you know, Summer Fridays is still young, right? There's like so much I'm sure that you guys still want to do. And just being able to come out of that constant like hustle and work and you know need to achieve this big thing and you're able to look around and just really like look at each person that's around you and to uh, see their contribution to your life and to be grateful for that that's beautiful it's so rewarding and I'm like so proud of the team that we're building and the people that are around and like it's so fun to see people together and like their friends outside of work and like this is their whole life. And I have a group of friends that in my last job pre becoming an influencer, I worked with them over a decade ago and we still have a group chat to this day. It's people that I'm still friends with. And it's like you end up becoming friends with people that you work with and that you spend your time with. And these relationships are so important to you. And so it's crazy because it, it really is their life and it could affect their life for many years to come because these yeah. are the people that they choose to be around. Okay, so if you had to define your why, what is what is it? What is your why? Someone just asked me this the other day and my why is about like finding beauty in all things and everything. And for me, beauty is appreciating what something looks like or what something feels like or like actual beauty product. Mm -hmm. And so I always am like kind of chasing this feeling of like what feels beautiful for me. So I'm really surrounded, I'm really affected by my surroundings, what something looks and feels like, whether that's in my home or where I travel to, who I spend my time with. And so it's always like chasing this beautiful feeling and then translating that into either online and content in my podcast to something that makes you feel more confident and feel more beautiful because maybe you learned about something new. Mm -hmm. It's maybe either a physical product that we sell that makes you feel more confident and more beautiful in yourself. And so that's really my through line of like why through everything. And so it's also something I'm always working on with myself in my self-development of like, what makes me feel the most confident? Like what is beauty to me? Like, what is like the most beautiful experiences that I could have in my life? So it's not like beauty on the surface. So you're like mastering <laughs> the romanticizing of life. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Mariana, thank you so much thank for being so here. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for watching this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't miss my newest episode right here. And if you're listening to the podcast on Apple or Spotify, please go and leave a review with your biggest takeaway. I love reading your thoughts. And if you have any suggestions for guests or topics, you can leave them in the comment section. And always, always remember, you are not alone.